The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 167. 75% of all sesame seeds grown in Mexico end up on McDonald's hamburger buns. So where do the other 25% go? Hello, travel nerds. I'm Travis Sherry, host of the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast. Hey there, I am Jason Moore, host of the Zero to Travel Podcast. And today we are recording live together from our home away apartment in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, getting ready for the launch of the Paradise Pack. Whoa, Mexico. Sounds so sweet. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do the karaoke thing, but I always get that James Taylor song in my head. I'm really excited to be here, man, because we're in paradise launching the Paradise Pack. Yeah. If you guys have been listening to either of our podcasts, you've probably heard us talk about the Paradise Pack. It is a once a year bundle sale where we bring together people from the travel space as well as the lifestyle and online business space. We take the best products we can find, bundle them together, sell them for seven days only, and then it's gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. Forever. It happens so fast, but it's really hard to get this caliber of people together for something like this. And really, this is meant to help you travel for as long as you desire, You know, get away from the two-week vacation thing, or even if you're not in that loop to just basically do as much travel as you want. So we're really excited to, to check this out. You can check it out at theparadisepack.com, but we have a new mobile technology. This is crazy. Thank you, technology, for catching up with what was in our brains for about a year. We always said, how can we get people who listen to the podcast to easily be able to get some of the goodies that we give away on our websites? And it, there was nothing that existed until someone smarter than us came up with a thing <laughs> called Lead Digits. Not to bore you with the details, but what you guys can do, because we're actually running a contest. If you're listening to this live on Thursday when it comes out, we are running a contest from May 18th to May 25th, where we are giving away a free Tortuga backpack. Jace, you have a Tortuga day pack. I have actually all three Tortuga backpacks. They're awesome. Yeah. Love the day pack. Been rocking it around Mexico. And it's really easy to get the details on this contest. It takes under 10 seconds to enter and you have a chance to win $199 Tortuga backpack or $200 gift certificates. And all you need to do is text the numbers 33444 and just text the word Paradise Pack. All one word, no spaces, Paradise Pack. So text the word Paradise Pack, all one word, to 33444. Hopefully that's not too too much. No, that's not hard. Paradise Pack. Just text that word to this number, 33444. It is absolutely incredible what technology can do. You will then get an email. You will be given all the instructions on how you can go win a free Tortuga backpack, and we will be keeping you in the loop about everything awesome that is going on in the Paradise Pack because we've got a lot of cool stuff happening over the next couple weeks. We're calling it a fiesta. Man, we got a lot of stuff going on with the Paradise Pack. We're so excited about it. It's going to help you, and yeah, we're just, we're pumped. And I should mention, really quickly before we get into this podcast two things first 
10% of the profits of the Paradise Pack going to Pencils of Promise. We're trying to build schools for kids in Guatemala, so you can feel really good about that if you decide to grab it while it's around. And also, secondly, if you're just tuning in, maybe you don't know what's going on. There's two hosts to this podcast. Well, we do these joint episodes. Yeah, when we're lucky enough to be hanging out and being together and working on stuff together, we figure, hey, why wouldn't we record together, throw it up on Zero to Travel, and on an extra pack of peanuts. We have a cue at extra pack of peanuts of about 160 past episodes. I think you're getting close to 100 episodes yourself, mm-hmm. Jace. So plenty of content. If you're usually a listener of both podcasts, and you're like, hey, I'm getting gypped. <laughs> These guys are putting the same thing out on both podcasts. We've got tons of stuff in the archives for you guys. And earlier this week, speaking of the archives, we gave you our 16 mindset hacks for long-term travel. So that was how you can kind of change your mindset, how you can go about thinking about long-term travel and how you can make it a reality. Today, we're actually going to reveal the 14 practical skills for helping you travel long-term. So this is stuff that you can go and actually implement right away. It's not abstract mindset stuff. It's like, hey, this is what you should be doing. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to leave some things off the list here. We're, we're covering a huge topic. I mean, there's tons of subjects and micro-subjects underneath each point we're going to make. So, hey, let us know what you missed. We're right on Twitter, at Zero to Travel, at Pack of Peanuts. You can, you can obviously comment on the uh, show notes. Yeah, let us know. I mean, we're curious. But let's dive into this because we have a lot to cover. We do. So the first practical tip, the first practical hack to being able to travel long term and make it more enjoyable, better, more authentic, whatever word you want to use, number one is packing lighter. Yeah. Is this necessary? I, I don't know. I mean, I've definitely seen my wife not pack light and she still gets around. <laughs> I don't think... I guess I wouldn't say it's necessary. I mean, you can long-term travel with two suitcases. Yeah. But for the most part, most travelers, most people who are long-term travelers realize, okay, I don't need all the stuff I'm bringing with me. You know, you see their bags, they might go off on vacation, they have two bad, or not vacation, but a long-term trip. Let's say you're going around the world for a year and little by little by little, you start whittling your stuff down because you realize it's not just heavy actually to carry around and a pain, but it's also kind of this mental burden, burden as yeah. well. Dude, it's funny the difference. If you took my backpack from my very first backpacking trip, solo trip to Europe, over 15 years ago, I won't date myself. Man, I think it was top loading. It must have weighed, oh gosh, near, who knows? I would guess maybe 45, 50 pounds. Now I'm rocking like a day pack that's 30 pounds or less easily. Man, I, so, I don't even know what I had in there, man. Useless shoes I never wore and a bunch of tea. I just started throwing stuff out, leaving it at the hostel. It, you don't need a lot of it. You can buy most of it anywhere on the fly. Yeah, a lot of these topics that we're going to touch on today, it's kind of an overview here, but we've delved deeper on in different podcasts. I mean, like we said, we have about 250 episodes between us. So we talk a lot about packing. I only pack with just a carry-on. Heather, my wife, has whittled her stuff down to just a carry-on. Jason, almost predominantly just a carry-on. It's just, for me... And I think I speak for most long-term travelers. It's just a better way to travel because you realize you can get it anything almost anywhere. Yeah, it's pretty tricky. Do you guys ever run into a little issue when you are going multi-climate 
I'll call it. Multi-climate's <laughs> the hardest. Oh, when you're, man, is that tough. I mean, when you're going to Thailand, you're just going to sit on the beach, some shorts, some t-shirts, some flip-flops. But when you're going multi-climate, it's a little harder. But the key, just layer. It's all about that puffy jacket, that down puffy jacket. Get the down puffy right jacket. It, it might not look cool, but it's well worth it. Let's go to number two, something my colleague over here is quite the expert at, at least one portion of it. We're talking about travel hacking. What do we mean by travel hacking? Probably we should... Well, a lot of people use that term for various things, but do you want to... For me, travel hacking uh, most of the time means how to get cheap flights. And then kind of the sub part of that, the other big part is how to get cheap accommodations. And if you are someone who is going to travel long term or wants to travel long term, unless you are independently wealthy, which if you are, good for you, have fun. We are not... You're going to want to figure out the way to ways to cut costs on your two main expenses, mm-hmm. and that's airfare and accommodation. So um, with airfare, really few easy ways. I talk about it all the time. You guys know it if you listen to the podcast. Frequent flyer miles, by far the best way to get around the world for almost free. If you can't get frequent flyer miles, there's still tons of ways. You can get mistake fare tickets. You can use um, budget airlines to get around. We just looked at a flight for you to go from Hamburg, Germany to Oslo, Norway. We found one on this I don't even remember what airline it was, but it was, what, $33 or, or something? $35? Yeah. yeah, even if you're buying flights, you can still book them. Actually, well, you, we just booked an award ticket together. This this man over here that's sitting to my left here, Travis Sherry, he is a he is a guru when it comes to cashing in these frequent flyer points. Got to check out extrapackofpeanuts.com if you want to work the system. Uh, he taught me a great trick on United. Just booked a flight from Newark, New Jersey to Hamburg, Germany for $41.20. So this yeah. stuff is is legit. If you can find ways to get cheap airline tickets, a lot of other stuff falls in place because you just have a lot more money to play with. The other big one with accommodations, and we've talked a lot about this on the podcast, so we're going to gloss over it a little bit, but um, hostels as opposed to big box hotels, renting apartments is a great way. We got a really good deal here with HomeAway, um, a great service. Airbnb, a lot of people know, you know, getting apartments can be a way to not only save money compared to hotels, but also have better experiences, have a bigger place, have amenities like a washing machine, dryer, um, you know, ref- big refrigerator, patio like we have here, pool, all types of stuff. And of course, House sitting. House sitting, man. We just did it up in Colorado. Got to give a shout out to our favorite house sitters, Nat and Jody. You can check them out at housesittingworld.com. They hooked us up with a good gig up in Colorado, and we watched the coolest dog up there have a hot tub, totally living for free, and just just chilling out. And, And basically what it is, is you can stay in people's homes for free and in exchange you caretake for the home or usually for the pets in that home. Right. And a lot of the things that we mentioned, we will be giving resources for most of them, like specific resources if you want more information, dot, dot, dot. And we'll be linking all that up in the show notes, both on Zero to Travel and Extra Pack of Peanuts. Nat and Jody's House Sitting Academy, a portion of that will be in the Paradise Pack too. So that's really cool. We were able to get them in to talk about house sitting in the Paradise Pack. Yeah, not to harp too much on the Paradise Pack, but all of these things, a lot of these things we're talking about have elements in the Paradise Pack. That's what the whole point is to piece this together, give you everything you need in one bundle. Third skill, this is... This is essential. Something I pride myself a little bit on on being pretty good at, I must say. Maybe I'm tooting my own horn. Probably some shopkeepers might disagree along the way. Negotiating and haggling. 
I think of this a lot of times in not just negotiating like at the market and getting a t-shirt for $2 instead of $5, although that will add up and it will save you money and it's also fun, but also negotiating for big things. I mean, we're talking about hotel rooms. We're talking about apartment rentals. I mean, you can negotiate a lot of times for accommodations. We've done it, Heather and I, multiple times on a bunch of platforms, whether it be HomeAway, whether it be Airbnb. You know, if it's not peak season or they don't have a lot of people in there, you see there's availability, negotiate as well for for your accommodation. You could save $20, $30, $40 a night. And if you're staying somewhere for a long time, that is really, really key. The bottom line is always ask and always explore your options because when you have other options, you can easily walk away. And that's that's very key when it comes to negotiating. Trav, I mean, just the other day, maybe it was a week ago, I, I do this all the time. I mean, forget like the travel and hotels, all that stuff, even like things you wouldn't think about. I go into the Apple store to get my phone repaired for a warranty issue. And I just brought in some, I had like two pairs of headphones that cracked out because they stink. I said, hey, man, you guys, I know you guys got some headphones back there. You want to hook, hook me up? Come out with a brand new pair of headphones, man. You can get discounts everywhere. Dude, that's like, <laughs> you know me. That's where Extra Pack of Peanuts started. I just kept asking for Extra Pack of Peanuts no, on a plane. It might be little, but hey. Always got to ask. It means the world to an eight-year-old kid. <laughs> don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to negotiate, haggle. My rule of thumb, and this is crazy. When I tell people this, they're like, no way. I, I always start at 30% of the asking price. If you're in a country where haggling is... It is a known thing. Southeast Asia, a lot of the Asian countries start at 30%. And, you know, they're, they're trying to rip you off. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to get as much money as they can. Start at 30%, work your way up. If you get it for 50%, then you're, uh, you're both happy. You can always go up, but you can't come down. Number four, this is a hack that's absolutely necessary for travel. That's saving money beforehand. Yeah, if you are looking to travel long term, and, and we prefaced what long term meant in the other part of this where we talked about the mindset, but long term to us is just, it's anything more than just a quote unquote vacation. Okay. It's anything more than I'm going to go away for one week to Ocean City, New Jersey. You know, it doesn't have to mean you're nomadic forever. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to be traveling forever. It's just, you know, it's a little bit of an extended time. More, so, more like not traveling, but actually becomes your regular life is being on the road for a little while, for a period of time. Right. Maybe that's a month. Maybe that's right. a three-month gap period during the summer if you're a student. Maybe it's maybe you're retired mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're taking off and you're going to travel for an extended period of time. Saving money beforehand is obviously very imperative if you're looking to travel long term. Now, how much money you need beforehand isn't a question that we can really answer because everyone's travel budgets, which we're going to talk about next, is different. Yeah. But having money in the bank, and I would say even to saving more than you think if possible so that you have that extra cushion and stuff's going to go wrong on the road or, or you're going to spend more than you think normally, definitely have that extra cushion. Yeah. And if you're saving up for a trip or you're you're trying to figure out how you can bank some cash for your next adventure, my advice is, is something actually I'll go back to in the mindset portion of this podcast. If you listen to the last one, we talk about having an abundance mentality. And it's not so much, you know, skipping out on the extra beer or the or the soda or the or the little Although that does add up. It, it does add up, but I would say it's more important whether you're going to save a couple bucks here and there, it's more important to maybe focus on bigger picture stuff where you can earn, figure out ways you can earn extra money. And with the sharing economy, 
I just read uh, the other day, I found this this website called uh, Flight Car, or theflightcar.com. I think that was that. Uh, if you leave your car at the airport, you can actually rent it out to other people that can drive your car wow. around while you're at the airport and you can be making money off. This is all these crazy ways you can make money right now. You just need to be to use another mindset principle, open-minded to the ways that you can, whether it's letting strangers into your home by renting in on a home away or an Airbnb, or it's using the sharing economy to rent out your car, or it's becoming like an Uber driver or starting your own business. Just think in terms of, of gaining and how can you save more money that way. And then also the second thing, I'm sorry, I would just say is uh, skimming off the top and make sure that you set up a separate bank account that'll just strip that away so you don't even see it. And that way you don't even have the chance to spend it. Yeah, I think the idea of making money as well as saving money that you know, if you do both, it's just gonna it's just gonna snowball. And that's really cool, the fact that you could leave your car at the airport. Right? I've never even heard about that. As Jay mentioned, a really good way if you own a home and you're looking to go away long term, and we have a lot of friends who've been doing this, you know, consider renting it out on Airbnb, on HomeAway, on any on VRBO, any of these rental places, it might seem strange at first because, you know, you don't know these people are coming in. But if you want to if you want to make some money while you're away, that's amazing. It's an amazing way to do it. I'll tell you the, how I was able to save mostly for travel. I'd say the 20% that netted me the 80% of savings for travel was being voluntarily homeless. That's not for everybody, but not having a place to live or renting the place out you had to live because I was traveling and working on the road. So I was living in hotels. I was being taken care of, but I wasn't paying rent or a mortgage. So maybe you're not in that situation, but even if you can sacrifice for a couple months or rent your place out and you don't have to pay rent for a few months, that can add up pretty quickly. And you'd be surprised at how far your dollars can go in certain parts of the world. Yeah. And there's a really neat um, product in the Paradise Pack that's going to be about basically walking you through all the steps of renting out your home when you're away. So if you're someone who's interested in that, that's something you want to look into because it is scary. We understand like it's not something you just take lightly and say, oh yeah, I'm going to let anyone in. But there's ways you can go about it in a, in a manner that makes sense. Which leads us to number five, and that is budgeting. And again, budget a travel budget is going to be different for everyone. Some people might say, man, I couldn't even imagine spending 50 bucks a day when I travel because they travel super frugally. They're staying at really cheap hostels. They're eating just street food, this and that. And there's other people who think $50 a day, like that doesn't even cover one fifth or one third of my hotel room. So everyone's going to be on different ends or different areas of this spectrum. But everyone, I still believe, no matter how much you're planning on spending or not planning on spending, should have a budget going into it. Whether that's $250 a day or $25 a day, I think having a budget going in is really important for long-term travel or else you're going to find that you just blow through money. (laughs) Yeah, I do this very abstractly, which is kind of interesting. I don't really track too much. I kind of track vaguely in my head and that seems a little weird to me. Some people can relate to this. Some people are like, no way, I'm hardcore spreadsheets, you know, got to figure it out. Let's use an example from Mexico. We went out to our, one of our favorite taco carts the other day, and we're buying tacos for about 15 pesos or less, between 12 and 15 pesos, which it's is a dollar like a taco. 80 cents or a dollar, So yeah. you can eat for like three to four bucks, maybe five bucks if you really stuff your face, Gluttonous. right? Now... We went to a, a local sit-down place tonight, but instead we got the works. We got the margarita, we got the big meal, we got the appetizer, and we ended up spending about three times as much. Yeah, we maybe? spent about fifty dollars for three people, which still is 
not a lot, but right. when you can eat for three bucks, it's so for me. Like for me in my head when I'm traveling, that's kind of how I roll a little bit. I, if if you're if you're somebody listening who's less hardcore about keeping a budget, just think about it in general terms. Okay, like I, I spent a lot today, and tomorrow I'm going to go like a little bit more easy, and then it kind of averages out. So you have your average budget, but you don't have to stick to that every day because hey, you're you're in France, you might want to go eat at a French cafe because also you want to have the experience too. That is what I was going to say. I when we have a budget, Heather and I have a pretty strict budget, and it, and it fluctuates depending on where we are. I mean, sometimes it's just not possible to have a budget of twenty five dollars a day in Paris, or at least not possible for us. We would not want to do that. You'd be slumming it pretty hardcore. But in Thailand, twenty five bucks a day is somewhat reasonable. Sometimes, so it is going to fluctuate where you are. I would suggest to people if you don't want to do it every day. And, and sit down and actually track it, at least write it down and then kind of come back at the end of the week. Maybe once a week's a good enough time, just so you know where you stand. Again, it doesn't, we don't stick to it that if like we're $10 over, then oh man, you know, shame on us. It's like, okay, maybe we spend a little extra here or there, but at least I just think having a little bit of a base budget and understanding where you are is important, or else you're going to run out of money sooner than you think. And if you're trying to travel long term, money is one of the yeah. main obstacles. Agreed. And I've heard good things about this service. Oh, I'm too lazy to set it up. And that's mint.com. It's a great way to, to track. So if you take a little time to just set it all up, then it'll automatically track for you. You can log in and monitor it. So there's a lot of services like that out there that you can use if you're somebody like me who's a little slackadaisical at keeping a budget. And I, I would hearken back to kind of the beginning points we made with travel hacking and with accommodations. It's always so much easier for us to stay on our budget. And this sounds like common sense, and it is. But when you're able to house it, like imagine if a normal accommodation for you is 50, 60, 70 a night and you have a $100 budget. Well, if you're house sitting and you're not spending anything on accommodations, mm -hmm. that's a lot more fun money to play with. So, yeah. Or couch you, surfing. or Yeah, if you can really cut back on those big things, you, you can do some really cool stuff on a pretty tight budget. Yeah, local transportation. There's a lot we can go into. We've talked about it a lot, but this is a very broad list, so we should probably move along to number six. Yeah, which is plan without over-planning. <sighs> Yeah, there's there are certain things you should do right away, possibly before you even book a plane ticket when you're flying somewhere like Africa or South America or something. If you haven't been traveling before, you need to look into health because there are certain places you need certain shots for. And some of these shots and uh, immunizations take... Uh, it, it take You have to do them in like three or six month increments or it, it takes weeks or months to actually get all the shots you need to, to get the immuni immunization. I have a immunization, time yeah. So, yeah, so you're going to want to look into that. And then visas, of course, because if you can't get a visa to travel to a place, there's no point in booking a ticket there. So certain things like that. But then, you know, you could just research until your eyes fall out of your head. You're never going to really know what it's going to be like or what you're really going to get into until you actually get there. So I recommend, like, once you book the plane ticket, book the first few nights accommodations and then you know, depending on your comfort level, kind of wing it from there or don't plan too far out. Heather and I actually did a whole podcast on how much we researched beforehand because we get asked this question quite often of, you know, how much do you know? How much do you plan? And and so we went into it and basically, but if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, you can boil it down to 
know the basics. Definitely, as Jason said, plan the important things. There are some people who don't even think about visas and they think, oh, I'm just, go- I'm going to go to Brazil. Well, hey, guess what? If you get that plane ticket and they let you on the plane, you, ha- uh, you land in Brazil, they're not going to let you in the country without your visa, as a friend of ours found out the hard way. So you want to make sure you plan that. But as far as the other stuff, do what makes you feel comfortable. I would definitely book a few nights, uh, at least the first night. But Make sure the big things are planned yeah. and then take it as it comes, which brings us to number seven, pre-trip researching. Let's give some people, because we talked about don't do too much. I don't like to structure everything out like, oh, every 15 minutes, or every half an hour we're doing that. I always like to actually build in a day or two. If you're in a city for three days, for example, and you really want to do everything, I build in like two days to do kind of the main attractions. Let's say you're in Rome. Okay, you definitely want to go to see the Colosseum and things like that in the Vatican, but build in a day to just not have plans because when you're out there, you're going to see crazy stuff. You're going to meet people. You're going to have these opportunities. If everything is planned, you're not going to be able to have those authentic kind of experiences. Yeah. And if you are traveling with a smartphone or a computer, or even if you hit up the internet cafes, you can always research a little bit on the fly. It's kind of fun to read on the way sometimes if you have a good guidebook and you can read a little bit of the history. You know, think about how long you're staying in a place. If you know you're going to a city, a major city for four days or something, that's usually the sweet spot or that's usually the amount of time I like to visit a city, like a minimum three days. I don't love staying in cities for a long time, but maybe like three to five days, four, usually four, at least four nights is pretty good. And if you're going for that amount of time, one thing that is worth researching or looking into are the city passes because a lot of big cities have, this goes back to the budgeting thing, where if you're going to go and you're going to see the main sites and the attractions, chances are that city has a city pass, has a discount pass that gives you access to this, this, and this, or a whole list of the main attractions. And then you're going to save money because if you went to those individually, it's kind of like a package deal, sort of like the Paradise Pack, but in a city. There you go. <laughs> Get it all in one place, convenient for a discount. Yeah, speaking of the Paradise Pack, I just want to throw this in really quick because you can text 33444, the words Paradise Pack, to get uh, enrolled to hear a little bit more about it and and find out some details about that contest. I just wanted to remind you there, if you're rocking your smartphone right now... That technology is so cool. It's it's crazy, man. Speaking of researching, that's uh, that's something we had to research for quite a while to figure out Yeah, we are very smitten with this technology, and it's just neat because a lot of you guys have emailed us before and said, you know, you always talk about stuff you give away on the website. How can we do it? Now we figured out a way you can just do it from your smartphone. If you're driving, pull over to the side before you text it. (laughs) But that's a really neat way. Number eight, this is for for long-term travel. The next two are really, really important, but they're hard. Like (laughs) this is kind of do as we say, not as we do type stuff. As we do sometimes. We've tried and tried and we've gotten better. But most of my friends who become location independent, who have have worked a regular job or something or haven't traveled full time, and then they go on a trip, they'll always come back and they'll say, and this is people who need to work on the road. You know, they have a job where they can do it, run a website, whatever. Like, how do you do it? How do you work from the road? And it's very hard because you always want to see stuff. So number eight is setting up habits on the road. And this is crucial for long-term travelers and especially for people who need to actually work while they're traveling versus just being on vacation or just traveling around with no responsibilities. Yeah, then... Depends on which camp you fall into. This is part of the, the the big allure for travel for me is the randomness of it. I love that I can wake up, 
And I don't know what kind of adventure I'm going to have that day. I don't even know where I'm going to end up at the end of the day, in the middle of the day. No idea what's going to happen. That's the best part because you feel so, it's so liberating. You just, I don't know, every day is an adventure. But the flip side of that is you kind of lose your routine and your habits, good or bad. Now, the bad ones, you know, you could pick up more bad ones or drop good ones or vice versa. I drink on how more you do margaritas it. in Mexico than I do at home. <laughs> it's easy to have a cerveza or something like that. But just setting up habits on the road, like Trav said, do as we say, not as we do. We're able to do it sometimes. I mean, I have certain triggers and I, I always recommend this to people. If you have certain things that kind of get you, say you have to work, get you into work mode, like coffee for me. I can, I can always, anywhere I am in the world, I can go to a cafe, I can order a coffee if it has Wi-Fi and I can sit down and work because it's just work to me. I put on my headphones. It does, doesn't really matter where I am. If I'm in a cafe, I have coffee, a headphones on, work mode, you know? Other things, not as easy because the places change, the environments change. You can't always take a long walk to your favorite whatever. Maybe you're in a city or there's just so many different habits. So it's, yeah, how do you set up habits on the road? I mean... Well, one of the things we do like doing a lot recently um, as we get older and because we need to work from the road is renting apartments. I just find it yeah. so much easier because you have your own place. It's It's bigger than a hotel room. We still really enjoy hostels and local guest houses too, but sometimes you need more space. You kind of need more privacy. So renting apartments is a great way to kind of help you a little bit. Now, obviously, just renting apartments not going to help you have the habit of waking up and meditating. Case in point, haven't done it since we've been to Mexico. But there, there's a few things that I think people who do this well, a few things that they do. One of those is having some sort of time devoted to whatever it is that they normally do, whether that's in the morning or night. So, for example, meditating. Um, doing some sort of devotional, even just like sitting there quietly and thinking like maybe it's reading when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed. There's all these little things that people might do at home. You can still do them when you're on the road. You just have to make sure you set them up. So any habits you have at home that are good habits, I would suggest doing them as soon as you get on the road as well. They're going to help you feel more centered. They're going to help you feel more comfortable. Again, I don't do this a lot, but a lot of people will tell you also, you know, keep a regular work schedule, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Because, hey, you're traveling, you're location independent, you should be able to do what you want. Well, that yes, you can. On Thursday, you could go dive with the dolphins. But when it's a when you do want to work, we found it to be really effective to wake up and say, all right, I'm only going to work from this time to this time. Mm -hmm. Now, do we always do that? No, we're recording this podcast at 10 at 10 p.m. Mm. Sometimes that happens. But trying to build that stuff in can be really important when you're on the road for an extended period of time, or you're going to get burnt out, or you're going to feel like you're missing out, or you're going to feel like you're treading water with your work, you know, all or maybe all those things at once. Yeah. Yeah. When I traveled for a decade, over a decade on the road, doing all these crazy road jobs and still traveling, I always thought in terms of three things, you have your clothes, right? You have your stuff, which might be like your Kindle and various things, notebooks and all this stuff you have. And then a third thing I like to add into the mix there that you just mentioned is like a hobby item. And if you can bring a hobby that you like to do at home with you, for me, that was a guitar for a long time. It might be something smaller like reading or whatever it is. It just, it does, it's almost like you can take your home with you everywhere and still keep that consistency, which isn't always easy, but it's nice to have a hobby with you, I think, because then you still have that to lean on. So yeah, that's a great point. Ch try to set up habits on the road. It's not easy, but the more you can do it, the more comfortable you're going to 
feel and the more you're going to feel. I always feel pulled in a lot of directions like, I should go out and explore today. No, I should do work today. Well, if you set up some boundaries and you say, I'm going to work for these three hours and then I'm going to explore... When you go explore, you feel much more comfortable because mm. you have worked. When you're working, you say, ah, I need to get this done because then I can go and do this. It's kind of like that reward at the end of the tunnel. Whereas if you don't set those guidelines, you're just kind of floating through the day. It's um, hard. It's hard. Again, we do this more often than not, mm-hmm. but we try to set the habits, which brings us to number nine. And this is incorporating exercise without a gym or your regular routine. Maybe you run on a, a track or a certain trail every day. This is... Oh man, if you're traveling long term, you need to get up, get out and exercise. You're going to feel really sluggish and gross, speaking from experience, <laughs> if you don't. But it's hard because a lot of people have, as you mentioned, their triggers. You have the coffee triggering you for work. For a lot of people, exercise isn't easy. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. That's going to make me exercise. But what if you don't have a gym? Yeah, this is about developing a passion for body weight exercises. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And gyms are a business like anything else and they're great. But if you look around, you'll see you can replicate a lot of the exercises you do in a gym in in the environment. And yeah, maybe people will be looking at you if you're doing pull-ups pull on a tree branch or something like that. But so what, right? You're on the road, you need to get it done. Talking about running, push-ups, burpees like we were doing the other night. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's it's one of the ultimate exercises where basically you squat down. They're awful. You jump out, do a push-up, bring your legs back in and jump up and you just do that repeatedly. There's all these different things you can do. Uh, It's just about getting into the body weight exercises, which are some of the best exercises for you. And it can, it can be a freeing feeling knowing you don't have to go somewhere to get a good workout. And it's not always easy, but they are fun. And when I travel and I know we've traveled together a little bit now, Jay and Heather and all of us have traveled together. When we travel, we love to indulge in, in good food. I mean, we're here in Mexico. I'm not going to eat a hundred tacos. I mean, I am going to eat a hundred tacos. I'm not going to be told no. Is Yeah. So you want to eat and you want to enjoy it. So putting in even just a little bit of exercise is really, really going to help, uh, especially for those of you who we're talking to who are also going to be working from the road as well. You just building it in, even if it's in at the end of the night, we usually do it. It probably should be more in the middle of the day to keep you fresh. Um, yeah, just go for it. A good good um, kind of uh, resource for this is nerdfitness.com. So Steve Cam, who we both know, does a good job kind of telling people how to exercise without the use of a gym. Yeah, body weight exercises. And uh, last thing I will add to that is nothing. I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll run into number 10. Picking the right gear. Very, very essential when you're traveling long term. We've already talked about making sure you don't pack too much. Sometimes... You just have to do it and get on the road to realize what you shouldn't have. You'll be leaving stuff behind all across the world as you travel around, as you think, I don't need this. But picking the the right gear is important because you want to make sure you have stuff that's high enough quality, that's not going to break, that's going to leave you stranded, things like that. But also, I found for me, the more I travel, the more I want less things but higher quality ones. And everyone who's listening knows I'm super frugal, so that's not like go and spend a lot of money. But sometimes it really pays off to have less, but have something that is really, really good, as opposed to a few of things that are not so good, especially when you're trying to pack light. Yeah, one thing to remember, too, this this goes back to the packing lighter thing, is 
no matter what gear you end up with, chances are wherever you go, you're going to be able to pick something up if you don't have it. So if you forgot a rain jacket and all of a sudden you traveled around the world, you extended your trip and now you're in monsoon season, you can probably buy a poncho somewhere for a dollar, things like that. Now, certain things might be a little harder to come by if you want the new Apple watch to keep in touch with people. You might not be able to find that everywhere. But you know the basics that you need to survive and to get through your day to day, you're going to be able to find. And that's why I think it's important when, when, when we say pick the right gear, I think it's just the stuff that makes you feel comfortable, that gives you a better experience, and and just that that makes that that you can enjoy, like a good pair of hiking boots, for example. I hike a lot when I'm traveling. That would be something I I I could pick up on the road if I needed to, but I wouldn't choose to because I know the hot shoes I have won't give me blisters. I can hike a lot of miles in them, and I can get a lot done with them. Might not be something I want to pick up on the road, but. I would still be able to do it if I had to. So, right. I, it boils some of the basics. I mean, just to cover a really general overview, if you guys are seasoned travelers, you kind of know this, but getting a good backpack, super important because that is going to be the thing that you're constantly lugging around. So, find one that works for you. We use ones that are only carry on size uh, predominantly. I use the Tortuga, which I love, but pick one that works well for you. That's not going to frustrate you. We've talked a lot about not getting a top loading one if you're just traveling around because they're a pain in the butt, um, as well as at least one good pair of shoes. You know, you could go on and on and on forever about clothes, but you know, make yeah, sure we- you have a few electronics. You don't need everything. We talked about even not even bringing a camera. If you have a smartphone, you know, there's a lot of ways to kind of consolidate, cut down, and get good products that aren't going to break on you, but are also not going to take up a lot of room in your pack. Yeah, exactly. It's there, We could go much deeper with it, but uh, that's that's the essentials when it comes to gear. Number 11, this one might sound a little weird if you're listening, but you know what? If you want to travel long-term and you want to be able to Extend that on your terms and kind of dictate, you know, where you want to be, when you want to be working and all that type of stuff. We do recommend this particular hack, which is learning online business. That might sound... I don't think that guy's sounds talking about strange. online business and travel. I don't but. think that sounds strange at all. Maybe because I do it, <laughs> but also because a lot of people who are traveling long term aren't doing it because they have a wealth of money and they can just afford to travel. A lot of these people are saying, hey, how can I travel and make it a lifestyle? Mm -hmm. And that's why we did it, right? How can we travel, make it a lifestyle? What could we do? We couldn't run away and we couldn't just travel the world because we didn't have the money. So what did we do? We started online businesses. This is neither quick nor easy, but... There's a lot of ways to do it. We're not going to get into them all now. I mean, if you have your own company, is there a way that you can start working remotely? If you work for someone, is there a way that you can start working remotely for them some? Can you take a skill that you have and freelance? Maybe yeah. you've done something in the past for a company, but you thought, I just don't want to live in uh, you know, Dayton, Ohio. I want to get out of here. Sorry for anyone who's from Dayton, Ohio. I'm sure it's beautiful. <laughs> but you don't want to live in Dayton, Ohio, but you work for a company there and you have this skill. Well, maybe you can freelance it out. Maybe you can start doing it on your own. You could do it from anywhere. So learning an online business, some sort of skill. I mean, it, the world nowadays, Jay, because of the internet, you really, so many jobs that before were location de- dependent 
are now location independent. And it's not just the ones of like, yeah, I run a travel website right. or I write a blog. It's all types of positions. It's endless. And I'm glad you mentioned negotiating work, uh, remote work agreements. If you have a current employer or I even did consulting for a couple of years from Norway uh, while I was building some businesses on the side, actually working for a buddy of mine and, you know, essentially working every day and, and trying to build his company for him. So there's things you can do for other people. Perfect example on, on a very minimal level is being like a VA, somebody who's a virtual assistant and is basically somebody's assistant, but just working via the internet. So like Travis said, there's all these things and it doesn't have to be some big, crazy e-commerce store, or some gigantic website that you know you need to make millions of dollars on. You could just offer your expertise to your initial network, your friends and family, and then just begin learning how to market that online and take traditional businesses and break the mold and translate them and and put them online. There's people that teach guitar over Skype. There's so many different things you can do. So I would just say if you're open to earning an income while you're traveling, which is a whole other conversation because it's not necessarily for everybody. I did traveling jobs for a long time because I didn't want to have to run back and do an email or something like that at, at the end of the day, except for the bare minimum. But you know, just open your mind up to the possibilities. This economy right now is totally changing. There's so much you can do. Just just open your mind to the different things you can do. You might just find that you can actually earn an income online and be traveling and enjoying the world in different places. It's pretty amazing. And when we started a little while back, we really, one of the hard parts was figuring it all out. And it's not something, as we said, that's going to be quick nor easy, but there are a lot of resources out there to help you that just either didn't exist when we started or just were harder to find. And one of the reasons we decided to start the Paradise Pack was basically, man, if we had this when we started, wouldn't this be awesome if someone said, I'm going to take the best resources. I'm going to teach you how to travel cheaper. I'm also going to teach you how, if you want to make money while you travel, how to do it. Boom. Here's a whole package of all the best curated content handpicked for you. And no one was doing it. And that's exactly why we decided to start the Paradise Pack. And there's a lot, a lot of cool products in there. This year, there was some really good ones. Last year, we've upped our game this year. So um, some really cool people like Natalie Sisson, who's a good friend of ours, who's called the Suitcase Entrepreneur, which is just an awesome nickname because she's run her own businesses for five years now out of her suitcase traveling around the world. Mm -hmm. Just some really amazing people. Sean Ogle has a program called Location Rebel. It just means like, hey, here's how you can work, but you don't have to be location dependent. You can Mm -hmm. be location independent. Yeah, Sean was the the first one that introduced me to the term location independent. Actually, I found his work online. I was like, man, that's that's what I want to be. I, I want to transition to that and, and do it on my own. So, shout out to Sean. Thanks, yeah, man. He's so in the we, Paradise Pack as well. And yeah, we, we're it's it's it like Travis said. It's it it doesn't happen overnight. But uh, I think the important thing is if, if it's something that piques your interest, to set the intention and begin working towards it because it. There's so much possibility. It's it's incredible. The benefits far outweigh the hard part. And that's why we continue to do it. And that's why we continue to preach about this lifestyle of location independence. If you want it, it's possible. It's not always going to be easy, but it can happen. We've seen people do it. And we were on the other side of it five, six, seven years ago saying, man, I wish we could do that. And now we have, and now we're trying to help others do it. So remember, you guys can text uh, that number. So if you text Paradise Pack, all one word to 33444, um, that'll get you in. You can obviously 
get a chance to win a free backpack. We even talked about Tortugas in here. Man, we're, we're kind of bringing everything full circle. Um, number 12, make technology your friend, not your foe. Technology is our friend with this uh, <laughs> cool little text us and you can get on the email list type thing. But we brought this up because a lot of times there's a lot of things you can do with technology now that are great. I think that finding the right balance when you're traveling long-term is really, really important. And we hit a lot of this during the mindset episode. Yeah, check out TooManyAdapters.com. They're friends of ours, Dave and Dustin. They have a lot about travel tech because there, there are a lot of questions and there's little things you don't think of. Like if you're traveling with your computer, backing up all your photos you have and saving them, figuring out the best ways to keep your internet secure. You know, we're talking about that technology and there's like the photo stuff or, you know, for us as podcasting gear, so there's all this stuff to figure out. But the point is don't use it and and like kind of fight against it. You know, you want to pick and choose the things that will support your travel, support capturing your memories without inhibiting them and making it a barrier and stressing you out. And sometimes that's a hard balance to find. Uh, We could really dive deep on technology, but I think it's just important to acknowledge that, hey, don't go overboard with technology. You don't need all the best and greatest stuff to just enjoy the travel experience. For sure. Number 13 is connect with others. We have in kind of parentheses here, (laughs) networking. Networking is such a funny term because it makes me think of someone in a suit walking around saying, oh, hi, my name's Travis Mm -hmm, Sherry. You must be Jason Moore. Like (laughs) it seems so far removed from the life that we're talking about, which is this long-term travel lifestyle. But in reality, it is so much a part of doing this because connecting not only with locals, but also connecting with other people who are also traveling and and can provide you with different things. For example, we've talked a lot about HomeAway and Airbnb and stuff like that. That's one way to connect with other people and have more authentic experiences. It's about making friends, really. And that can, you know, once you have built your network, you know, stay in touch with the people that you meet. I think it's really cool to do old school stuff too, like write a letter on a piece of paper or write somebody a postcard back home. Keep the connections with your family and friends back home. Don't forget about them, but also make new friendships. I think it's hugely important. And if you're traveling for a long time, I think the big difference is you your life is on the road. So one of the reasons I love working with Travis so much, not to get all buddy-buddy uh, over here as I as I stare into his eyes right now here while he's looking at me like, what are you going to say, man? What are you going to say? All I'm going to say is it's, it's nice to have a good friend with you. And whether you are just crossing paths or you're traveling together for a little bit, maybe you're solo traveling. It's good when you travel a lot to meet like-minded people that can support you and know you and know what you're trying to do. And, and, and yeah, it can get, it can get a little lonely if you're just traveling on your own because you could just be floating through the world. So it's nice to have some anchors here and there. And that might be in the form of your Airbnb host or like my local guide in Nepal that we became close with. Now we stay in touch. You know, uh, Travis and I have a, a friendship where we get together and, and do these projects and work together. There's all these different types of friendships. I think it's just the point is maintaining those connections at home, creating new connections, and then and just building them and, and being surrounded with supportive people. As you travel you'll indefinitely or undoubtedly is the word I'm looking for, connect with a lot of people. If you're spending time in hostels, especially, I was actually talking to Jason the other day of how funny it is, you know, you sit there and 
maybe you have a few drinks, maybe you don't even have a few drinks, you're just sharing some stories, and it's like, oh man, I can't wait to stay stay in touch, like let's hang out later, da, da, da. And, and you realize that that doesn't always happen, mm-hmm. right? I mean, after you have those experiences every day for months, of course you don't stay in contact with everyone, but I think making an effort is really, really important, not only because, oh, they can help me out in the long run, but really because... The, That's what the, life's about. Yeah, the connections you make when you're on the road, I mean, they're different than the ones you make at home. And so I, this is where technology as a friend, not a foe, is so awesome. I mean, shout out to my boy, Mark Zuckerberg. Can I say he's my boy? I mean, Facebook is the perfect... You and Mark were texting a little bit earlier, Yeah, I think you? so. He wants to buy EPOP. Um, <laughs> no, Mar- it's, Facebook is just so incredible for staying in contact. There's going to be a lot of people who bash it, this and that. But staying in contact with people that you haven't talked to for a while, what an awesome way to do it. And I would also say with connecting, don't be afraid. And this goes back to the mindset thing. We don't, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, I don't feel weird reaching out to people that I might not have talked to in a year or two or three that I had connected with on the road saying, hey, you're still in the city. I'm coming through. Let's hang out. It's just really neat. Mm -hmm. Once you do it a few times, you realize that most of the time it feels like no time has actually passed. It it doesn't feel as awkward as you think it's going to. Yeah, it's a good point, too, because when I first started traveling, I didn't know. I thought it was going to be kind of like a one shot deal. Like, hey, triple lifetime. This is crazy. Little did I know, like, you know, over a decade later, I'd still be going. So you don't really know how long it's going to last. So don't just think of it if if you're just starting out your early stages of, hey, well, I'm just here for a little while and then this is my life temporarily. And because you just never know when you go traveling where it's going to lead. So value those people that you meet along the way and value those connections and those new friendships because. It's crazy, but you could keep going or they could keep going. Maybe they pass through town. Man, it's so great to have people visit you when you're home that are traveling or you just go back to another city and meet people you've met before. It's just really, really nice. So keep those connections. Yeah, just be open to those connections and to quote unquote networking. <laughs> Let's go to number 14, which is arguably, I think, the best way to connect with locals and that's using their language. Yeah. A lot of people listening may speak a second or third or fourth or fifth language. Jason and I both do not speak any other language fluently other than English, and sometimes that might not even be true. I speak Spanglish. Yeah. So, but I always make an effort, not always, I shouldn't say always, not always beforehand, but when I'm in the country, I always make an effort to learn some of the words. Now, uh, I know a lot of people, when, when they get on the plane, they'll bring like a little phrase book. And that's a cool little hack to use. When you get on the plane to go somewhere, bring a little phrase book, study it on your way over there. Then you're going to know some basic phrases. I don't always do that. Sometimes I land there and I know none of the language, but it's really important to just try. And we've talked a lot about this, but just learn some phrases and just give it a go. People are so much happier and more receptive to you when you just try. They love it. They absolutely love it. Even if it's just one word, Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in Norway because my wife's Norwegian. Everybody speaks English there so well. So when you use a couple Norwegian words, it's like their eyes light up where they're just like, wow, they were actually speaking Norwegian. We got to give props to the king of language hacking, our buddy Benny Lewis. The king. Fluentin3months.com. Fluentin3months, the number three.com, actually part of the Paradise Pack as well. And he he's 
all about speaking from day one, and he actually teaches you how to do that so you can actually start conversing in a foreign language from day one. He's a he's a polyglot, so he speaks. It was eight. I think it might be up to twelve or thirteen something. or fourteen languages. Which that's insane. It, it is insane, and thus it, it does sound insane. And he will to this day say that Spanish was the hardest language he ever learned. Why? Because it was his first foreign language. And he said every time he learns a new one, it gets easier because you learn how to not trick your brain, but you learn how your brain works to learn languages. And so always just give it an effort, learn some of the language. I've also learned from my time living in Japan and and traveling around that if you are, I mean, you're not going to know how to speak every language, no matter who you are. Even Benny will go to countries where he does not speak the language. And so a little kind of tip or hack for that Make sure when you're speaking, you know, you're you're going to then transition in English probably most of the time if you're in other countries and you don't speak that language. I've learned the hard way because I speak very quickly and not always clearly as people who listen to the podcast know. Make sure you speak slow, like really, really slow down your speech and also be very clear in what you're asking. Not just in clear in how you're speaking, but clear in what you're asking as well. And I found that has gone a long, long way. I have another tip for you today. <laughs> That's actually asking a local, if you get into a conversation with a local who you're vibing with, you're having a good time. I always think this is a great question to ask when you get somewhere new Ask somebody what a cool thing to say is, like a slang word, like a slang for what's up or how you doing or something. The one that comes to mind in Costa Rica is like pura vida, like pure life. They just throw that around. It's kind of like hang loose in Miami or or Miami in Hawaii or something like that. When you can learn a little slang word or two, you start throwing that around when you walk in the place or use a, a local way to ask for a beer or something like that. They're just like, they'll do a double take on you every time. Oh, wow. Like somehow... This guy knows what he's talking about. No, I don't know anything. I know those two words, but you can you see people's face light up. They see like, oh, you know, he's trying to be a part of the local culture. That's cool. And it's just a nice little thing. You have to remember a ton. You can say your learn to say your hello, your thank you, your excuse me, and then your couple slang words. And you it's amazing how many conversations you can start. Absolutely incredible icebreaker language. Just giving it a go. If you butcher it, it'll probably even be better because everyone will be laughing at you, which then makes them at ease. That was basically my entire two-year experience in Japan. (laughs) Nice. So there you guys go. That is our 14 practical hacks, practical hacks for traveling long term. Oh, man, I'm sure we missed a bunch of stuff. We Again, this could be an hours long episode, but we just wanted to break these down and give you some ideas and some thoughts on these topics. Yeah. So if you guys are listening and you really like some of the stuff we talked about as we were talking about, this is a broad umbrella podcast. We've given you a lot of specific examples of if you want to know more about this, go to this. So that's all going to be linked up at the show notes on Extra Pack of Peanuts at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can get the show notes for this episode or all of the episodes there. And Jace, you link it up at Zero to Travel too. Yeah, zero to travel.com slash shows to access all the podcasts. So we talked about a lot of stuff. You might not remember all of the things. Go to the show notes. But one thing you can do from your mobile device now <laughs> as we have hammered into you because we just think... This is just one of the things that 
man, it makes life so much easier for, for you guys as podcast listeners and for us as podcast hosts. Like it's one of those inventions that I just think, thank you for making this. <laughs> so if you guys want more information about the Paradise Pack, if you want to enter the contest, so if you're listening to this between May 18th and May 25th, we are giving away a free Tortuga backpack. It's usually $199. So we're giving that away completely for free. We're also giving away two $100 gift certificates to Tortuga for second place winners. So you can get all that information just by texting the words, all one word though, Paradise Pack to 33444. That will automatically send you instructions on what you have to do. I don't know how it works, but it's really cool. Technology, our friend in this case. And if you guys didn't hear the show earlier this week, we gave you 16 mindset hacks for long-term travel. So if you are looking to do long-term travel, get the mindset component. You already got the practical component, and you are good to the mindset, go. That mindset episode, was that was tough. We, that, could, that could run deep, so as could this one. So I feel like I'm smelling a lot of uh, other podcast ideas after these couple episodes. I really hope that you listen to this and... Yeah, you enjoy just hearing some of these ideas and uh, some of these resources we shared with you today. I think there's some really juicy stuff in here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this joint episode. Thank you, Zero to Travel listeners, for tuning into this one. You got a little bit of a taste of the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. If you are an Extra Pack of Peanuts listener, make sure if you want your fix of even more awesome travel podcasts, go over to zerototravel.com. Well, thank you, my friend. And of course, to the Zero to Travel Caravan, I have to say, Extra Pack of Peanuts, hands down, my favorite travel website. All things travel hacking, cheap travel, well, I shouldn't say cheap travel, but just basically what we're talking about today, living a life of travel, doing the things you love to do. Travis is the man. Yeah, we are very lucky to have you all as listeners. We are battling it out. We keep checking iTunes rankings. It's funny. We're always like one and two or two and three or three and four. Earlier today, Jason was number three. I was number four. And then somehow in the middle of the day, I leapfrogged him. So yeah. let's keep this competition going, I don't know going, what's happening. You know what? It's all because of you, the listener. So no matter where we end up in the rankings, we are just, yeah, we're just happy you tune in, really. Thank you guys so much for the support. And I'll sign off how we usually sign off, how I usually sign off. Do it. Until next time. Happy free travels. Cheers. Cheers.